Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that's just about hit up after Saturday's match. This week on Heart and Hand, three in a row! So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast, my name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by a man of culture and uh, he's just proved that by returning from a week in uh, beautiful Vienna, yes it's Mr Stephen Smith. Hello David, how are you? I'm good, you were out seeing our correspondent, long term listeners will remember Fraser Martin Maguire and uh, you, you were I, out visiting him. I, I went with Fraser and Diane who are in Bratislava and uh, Fraser was there with the rest of us when we played Art Media a few years back. Uh, and obviously liked it so much he decided to move there. So uh, we Fair were enough. over there having a cultural cultural weekend, including some sledging down the hill, and then uh, over to Vienna to freeze my absolute bollocks off. Well, I'd have sympathy if it wasn't for the fact that I was at Ibrox on Saturday to watch uh, Rangers get the monkey off its back, Stephen. And uh, uh, with... <laughs> With uh, uh, with a victory against uh, with a victory against Ross County, it wasn't the most inspirational of displays. Uh, Rangers started very very sluggishly. It was a very very cold day. I'm not making excuses for the players, but it uh, possibly wasn't. A, maybe the, the atmosphere was was frigid, shall we say. Rangers started badly, sluggishly, slowly, were punished, but given away that dreadful goal from our point of view, which we'll, we'll discuss in a moment. Um, Huffed and puffed the rest of the half and actually played really badly. It was one of those days nothing was going right. Players were misplacing passes left, right and centre. They were moaning at each other for not making runs, not tracking players. Left to a fairly loud chorus of boos, I've got to say. On this, uh, back on in the second half, uh, no Carlos Peña. He was replaced by Alfredo Morelos. And it was Alfredo Morelos who broke his goal duck and uh, got his back... Uh, got him back scoring and got us back into the game um, with a lovely goal after a, a well-worked move and a good cross from Daniel Candias. And then uh, it kind of looked... I felt we had a good 10 minutes after we scored and then after it, it, it 
sort of reverted to back to what it had been, not quite as bad in the first half, but I was starting to wonder if the players either had accepted a draw or didn't have the energy for one last big push when we won a free kick out in the right, it was played in, and uh, after the keeper made a save from the, the initial header, Danny Wilson popped up to knock in the rebound, and although there were a couple of scary moments, including a, a big stramash, as Arthur Montford would say at the end, we held on and we got the victory, so Stephen... Um, yep. Excellent, excellent victory uh, in terms of the context of the season, but uh, a tough watch, would you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd say exactly that, David. Really painful at times to watch. We, we've all been at Ibrooks watching games like that, you know, those November, December, January games where that are just kind of routine and you've got an opposition that were fired up. Uh, and yeah, I think they did. I think Ross County gave a decent account of themselves. I agree with you. I thought the goal was really soft. I think Wilson was really poor and half-hearted, and the goalkeeper was asleep as well. Uh, I think there were a number of players. Tavernier and Jack, I think that's the least impact I've seen either of them having a game uh, so far this season. But as you say, there were some positives there, I thought. Uh, again, Candace, who, as you know, is a favourite of mine, I think the fact that he never had he was always looking for the ball and he contributed right throughout the game uh, and when things weren't coming off for him he, he, he tried again and he made it work great to see Morelis break his duck as well uh, and getting the result as you say that the the three game monkeys off our back and that's that's really important in the context of the season and we're still we're second in that league would you believe it that team is second in the league yeah we'll, we'll come to that because we should be so far out of this and we're not and, and there is a bit he now begins to think right hang on a minute here if we can even improve to average then you know we've Aye. got a we've got a real shot at this but <laughs> to go to go into what some of your points there. First thing you mentioned, Daniel Candias, and I do think that he was his performance was I think typical of his seasons that he did some things really badly. Let's be honest, and then some yeah. of his touches, especially in the second half, were sublime. Some of his wee layoffs and flicks and whatnot. But I would agree with you that he did keep going and he didn't hide and he he didn't, uh, which is you know not a trait I think he has. But I think wingers traditionally we may feel are the the type that will go in and out of a game. And someone I do think, Stephen, that I have criticised for hiding, and he absolutely didn't, and he continued, I thought, a good run of form the other day, was Josh Windass, who, although not everything went his way, he tried to make things happen constantly. He went looking for the ball constantly. If something didn't go right, he didn't complain or go into his shell. And that is a Josh Windass I can get on board with, because I don't expect him to play 8 or 9 out of 10 every week. I don't expect that. What I expect is, if he's not having a great game, to still be an option, be it through his movement or be it through his uh, availability to take a pass or whatever. And that was the Josh Windass we got on, on Saturday where he never hid. He was always available for a teammate. He was constantly looking to to move and make things happen when a lot of the team were static the rest of the time, which maybe was why it stood out so much sitting in Ibrox. But I just thought that the last three games we've seen, and I don't want to get carried away because you know we've all seen flashes from Josh before, but this is the longest flash that we've seen from him <laughs> so far. And that's the Josh Windass I want to see, that even if he's not at his best, he's still capable of coming up with something, or at least looks like he's going to be, as opposed to, it's not gone our way, Josh Windass is hiding on the left wing somewhere. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think for I have to remember David that he's only twenty four and, and although, you know, he's, he's that's is, is that young Aye, is, is that young in football, Stephen? Twenty four. He's, he's a young you know, he's a young twenty four, clearly, you True, know, he yeah. doesn't look like he's a... and I, I do agree. I think he's a confidence player. You can tell a confidence footballer it's a huge amount of that game is played in your head. And if you think you're doing well and you've got self belief, you're a world beater. And if you're not doing that then you, you don't want the ball and you want to just be a passenger. And I think to be, to win this, he's credit, David, he has been, he did make a decent contribution in a pretty insipid game on Saturday. I thought along with, I thought Holt, uh, Holt did the same. You know, he was decent, but he kept working. And other than the goal, I think Danny Wilson made a decent contribution as well. So oh, I'd need I disagree with you there, mate. I thought Danny Wilson had a horror showing, including the goal. Okay, but right. in the first well, half, I thought some we'll of his passing was atrocious. We'll agree that I'm right. No, I've, I've watched it back, which is why I'm, I'm staying with confidence <laughs> here. Um, but at the game, I mean, he went in. It was a really, really frilly tackle um, to yeah, try and win the ball. Um, but, but then John had sold himself on the halfway line with a really bad decision to go in at mm. the goal. Um I, I think it maybe being a wee bit harsh on, uh, harsh on Wes. I thought it was one of those balls that was into the area that you couldn't really do much about. But uh, no, I just thought Wilson and the, and there was a, you know he's, he, he looked panicky. He didn't look at all at like the player he looked the last few weeks. I thought Alves was uh, awful and yeah. the worst I've seen him. And he, the two of them were so slow with with all, and they had obviously a lot of the ball because Ross County quite rightly were going to sit back and say your, your centre halves can have it we don't care and yep. the, the the movement from the two of them, whether or not there was fitness issues because obviously there have been with Bruno lately and Danny Wilson yep. had gone off yes, the yeah, previous week yeah. so maybe there was but they, they seemed to be just that half a step off everything I thought in the game the man of the match for me and it wasn't even close, uh, and he only played 70 minutes before going off, and hopefully not with a serious injury, was Ross McCrory, who I thought, again, was uh, everything that the rest of them weren't, which was authoritative, which was determined, which was you know winning their, their own battles. And it, to me, he was the leader of the team, and I don't care about age or anything, that's how he played the game. No, it's a high, it's a high compliment, David. He looks. I think the the best thing I can say about him is that he looks like he's an accomplished, established first team Rangers player already. Yes. And okay, he's only had half a dozen games, uh, and and some, and of course he's a, a number at centre half, and now at the kind of foot uh, of a midfield, you know, in a kind of more advanced position, playing the role that that Ryan Jack started out playing the season, and and I did think, by the way, that we missed Jack. No, we did. Uh, Holt definitely missed him. On Saturday, you know. Yeah, Holt, Holt, Holt was industrious, but but. You know, the two of them together have been very effective. Agreed. And I think, you know, well, he, well let's put it this way, of course, when, like, hopefully we're going to talk about the ridiculous situation, but the fact that he's been banned for three games because effectively that, that the refereeing of this individual player this season by the, by the Scottish referees in general, not not one not just by beating and calling, but actually by all of the referees who dealt with him, I think it's been absolutely disgraceful. Well, let's talk about it. People have heard my opinions on it. I didn't think it was a red, therefore I don't think it's a ban, and I do think he's been refereed to a different standard to other people. Um, but as we pointed out in the show, we do try to be balanced on here. Um, last week, for example, Andy, he said he felt it was a red. Cammy, who's you know, a qualified ref, he said he didn't think it was a red, but he could see why it was given and also why yeah. on appeal people would give it. And a lot of ex-pros, and not you know just the mental arsehole ones, a lot of ex-pros, they said, nah, that's honestly, that's a bit, with, with not an axe to grind against, they said, that's a bit naughty, that's a red. So 
I still personally don't believe it was a red. Um, I still think that the case you can you can argue, but people have heard my views. Let's let's hear yours. Well, I, th- I didn't think at the time it was a red card. I was actually baffled as to why the referee was going for a card at all. Never mind, uh, never mind the actual the, the red card. I think the the opposition player has bottled the challenge and that's made it look worse because as you and I know, the one of the first things you're taught amateur football is don't go in half-heartedly. That's when you get hurt. Commit yourself to a challenge, but I'm not saying bringe in with studs up and try and break somebody's leg, but you have to go in as if you want to win the ball and commit to it. You know, and, and the better players do that and the ones who've got no bottled on and, and Ryan Jack went in to win that ball now and what looked like a 50-50 and May bottled out of it and it made it a kind of 80-20 Jack's favour and then has just stood there obviously with a follow-through. But he's played the ball, David, first of all and then gone through and when you see it in real time it doesn't look like a red and then when you see it in slow motion it looks worse but actually everything does. Mm. And, I, and and going back to it, you know, I think the I think the dubious nature of it meant that there was absolutely no chance that the SFA were going to have to rescind three red cards given to the same player before the Christmas decorations are up. It was absolutely never going to happen in a million years. And we knew that uh, we're going to lose them. And I think the only upside of that is that we'll have them back uh, when we play the second uh, biggest club in Glasgow on the 30th of December. I don't know I'll when we're playing Thistle. <laughs> Bonus joke for everybody. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, that's my take on it. And I think that it'd have been interesting. I mean, obviously, you'll never know. And, but I do wonder if it had been Jason Holt, if he'd have got off with it on appeal. Because I think you were right. I think any dubiety at all, there was no way, um, just, just for appearances sake, that he wasn't getting that he wasn't no. getting done with it, but uh, but no, I'd agree with that. But right, moving back, where you, where you were talking there about young Ross McCrory. Aye, well, aye, an accomplished accomplished player and, and a future Rangers captain, if ever I've seen one, and that's that's probably the kiss of death for him. You know, having say, saying that about him, but he looks if he could play well at centre half, uh, we'll get decent cover there. The boy Bates, I think, is a decent player, and it was good. It's good to see him featuring, you know, in the squad again the last few weeks. Very, McCrory's a prospect going forward, but Honus as well, he looked, or however you pronounce it, uh, he looked a decent player when he came on as well. Uh, so uh, the Ockenhowe investment is starting to pay, appears to be starting to pay dividends. My only regret, of course, is that we didn't use that as we should have done when we were working our way back up, uh, you know, from the bottom division and blooding new players and you know a decent I think a decent managing and coaching structure would have done that but that's you know that's that's me wishing that wishing fairies mm. it still existed because it didn't happen so yeah hold on hold on hold on hold on wishing fairies still existed yes oh they used to exist didn't you know that? all right okay sorry no that 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 was well, I think for a podcast featuring Scott and Mark that that uh, <laughs> But but in a completely different and, and uh, oh yeah exactly in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that we we certainly would not endorse um, and that, that we we won't sort of draw the connection there between those two jokes but uh, but yeah no and uh, those were the you know those were the plus sides Alfredo coming on because he misses a, a really good chance and now now and I must admit that we're all kind of thinking oh god I wish that had gone in for him you know as much as we wanted the goal it was just but then a really good move. Started yeah. by Kenny Miller, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mention that because we're gonna come to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, good ball in by Daniel Candias. Didn't just put it across. Looked up, spotted him. Good ball. Didn't he break stride? And he's put it away 
you know, perfectly with all the confidence. And um, that's right in front of me, that corner, where he ran off to celebrate. And Stephen, mm-hmm. that goal meant more than just we're back in this individual match. That goal meant a lot. Because this is a guy who's been used to scoring for almost a calendar year, a goal a game, for us and for Helsinki. And yeah. I think this run baffled him more than anything else. I, I just don't think he could quite understand why he wasn't scoring. And when that went in, I just thought, right, we've got... That's him, he's had his... And I really do believe now that we've got back Erwin Morelos and wait and see him, wait, wait till he goes from here. Agreed, David. He's a, he's a genuine threat. And actually, you know, I, I guess we're going to talk about Kenny Miller and the free role he appears to have either been given or assigned for himself where he thinks he can run about anywhere, contribute not very much at all, and actually not hold a position or challenge a defence. I think that's really worrying because I, I believe that Morelos is a better player with an orthodox partner up with him. And I think Rangers should almost always, we should almost always be playing two up front, regardless of how we're kind of formally configured with it, you know, whatever formation we normally line up there. We shouldn't just be leaving one person up front. We shouldn't leave Morelos up front. We should play either Herrera or, or Miller with him as an orthodox partner and I think he will benefit from that because he's got the pace and the aggression and as you say, it's great for him to be able to take the coat off and say, right, I've done it now and let's let's get back to, to business because he looked like a real asset. I wouldn't even like to guess if he carries on and plays the way he did in the second half of the season, how much he would be worth in Dembele dollars. But, you know, he's a, a very good player. I, I, I think the thing, the key thing with him is even if he's not scoring, um, he's primarily a goal scorer, as we know, but even if he's not scoring, he's doing something. Even on Saturday, before he got his goal, he was, you could see the difference he made and he was contributing. I agree and I disagree with you. I do like the two up front, but the one of them at the moment that, uh, for me, is an absolute is, is Windass. Because I like this Josh Windass up front role because defenders don't know where he's going to go and they hate that. And that, I think, mm-hmm. is. And then when you've got someone in with the industry of Alfredo Morelos. And the physicality. Someone who goes, oh, I'll battle you, centre-half, you know, if you want to make it into that, that's great. The other centre-half doesn't really know what to do with Josh Windash. You can see that. And it lets Alfie bounce off either centre-half and they just don't quite know how who to pick up. And I think that although he didn't have a great game on Saturday, um, Carlos Peña, who comes in for a lot of abuse for the fans, I think that he adds to that as well because he, he's effectively a striker that's playing deep. And you saw against Aberdeen that they didn't know what to do when they had that kind of that that kind of Roman front line, and Miller was a part of that as well um, at the weekend. So I'd like to see Morelos and Windass, to be honest, with Pena still at the tip of the diamond. Now, Pena and Miller are two guys I think we do need to discuss. Um, Pena had sure. another one of those. Now, the thing about Carlos Pena is he is outside the box, absolutely and totally fucking useless, right? He yep. doesn't look like a footballer when he's got the ball outside the box. However, inside the box he comes alive. We know this. We've seen this. There's evidence for this. There's you know there's goals and assists to prove it. But more importantly, when you're at the game, you see the work he does outside the box. He's not lazy. His style indicates that because he'll take the ball and look as though he's never met a football before and you know bounces off his shin and goes six yards or he goes to try a, a three yard pass. But he's constantly moving. He's constantly dragging defenders into places he don't want to go. He's creating space and he does have the ability to get into the box. Now, he was horrendous in the first half on Saturday. They all were. We didn't, with yep. except, well, McCrory and Windass, I'd say. But the rest of them, even the guys like Holt and Condes who came onto a game, they did not have a good first half. So, 
I think that he was an easy pick and look, we all knew at half time it was either him or Miller that had to go off and it wasn't going to be Miller we knew that 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 was a fact but I think people have been very quick to judge because I think had he stayed on um, and I'd like to see him play on Wednesday night which we'll come to in the Hibs preview but mm. I do agree I think that he will always because he's as I say got that kind of lazy language style has the ability to, to you know cock up very simple things that he's an obvious target for people to say he's shite he's rubbish but you don't see what he brings to the team in terms of when we don't have the ball or when he doesn't have the ball Kenny Miller I actually felt a little bit sorry for at the weekend and I'll tell you why because mm-hmm. Kenny on Saturday was like the enthusiastic but talentless kid that you used to play with in the playground games at primary school the guy who always arrived a few seconds after the ball had been belted to another part of the playground and he never gave up. He reminded me a little bit of my, my puppy dog that, you know, you can throw the ball all around the garden and she'll run after it constantly with no idea where it's landed or where it's gone and it not, it doesn't stop her chasing it. Uh, that's what he was like on Saturday. You couldn't fault him for effort. You absolutely could not fault him for effort. But... <laughs> Alex on our debate last week on the Heart and Hand subscription channel about whether Kenny Miller was a legend or not. Alex, who was arguing that he was, but he mm-hmm. said, no matter what you think of his, his background, and it's not helped by the fact that this season is clearly a season too far. And I wonder if that is the case, over and above whether you like Kenny Miller, whether you don't, whether you know you, you believe he's a legend, whether you don't, whether or not you, know, you can go over the fact he played for Celtic or you can't. If you're just judging Kenny Miller, the professional footballer playing in Rangers team this season, he is not in there on merit. You cannot say that because apart from an excellent performance at Murrayfield, he has been below acceptable, below average every other match this season, I think. And even in matches where he's done okay, um, actually that's unfair because there have been matches he's been acceptable, so I'm, I'm being overly harsh there. But even in the matches he's done okay, the Aberdeen matches, it was more based with Again, um, working hard and contributing in that way than bringing any quality to the match. And in a game like Saturday where it wasn't so much about work rate as needing that bit of quality from your senior top guys because we were playing a team that packed defences, that he really struggled badly because there's no space for him to run into and although he'll run about gladly all day he gets frustrated by that up front ends up careering back as you say in the midfield careering back further and suddenly he's not a problem for the defence we've talked about the way that Peña and, and Windass especially could be a problem because defenders don't know where they're, where they're going to be he's the opposite of that and that he's not a problem for defenders because although they don't know where he's going to be they know he's not going to be in an area that's going to hurt them you know, they know he's going to be 40 yards further up the park. And that yeah. is the problem. And whether it's a case of just taking him aside and saying, you're trying too hard, or whether it's a case of saying, look, Kenny, you can't contribute for 90 minutes the way you used to. You just, you know, the the, the body's willing, but the quality's gone from the legs a little bit. And maybe you can make more of an impact as a sub when the other players are tired a wee bit. They're not as mentally sharp as they are at the start of a game. And you come on then and your experience becomes a becomes a factor um, that we can use. I don't know, yep. but at the moment, he appears to be undroppable. And, yep. you know, d- don't believe these... Uh, Kenny Miller runs the dressing room and all the rest of it. He doesn't, right? Kenny Miller's very popular and influential in the dressing room. And anybody looking at Rangers a season not believing that is, is deluded. But 
it's not that he's telling Graham Murray this is the team I won't pick that's not happening uh, 100% no. that's not happening but it's easier for Graham Murray in the situation he's in let's be honest on human level having to deal you know you, this is not champ manager you don't just you know make a decision on and, and click the name in the screen it's a lot easier for him to leave out yep. a Carlos Pena than it is for him to leave out Kenny Miller with all the attention that that brings Aye, undroppable is right. I think, we take you back, David, to we were thinking about what Miller's role would be having having secured an extra year's contract. And it was either going to be that he was going to play an hour or he would come on as that impact substitute for the last half hour in a game. Not that he was going to play 90 minutes. And, and either one or two things has happened and that, that free role that he appears to, to be assuming, he's either doing it himself or he's being told by the manager that he can play that role. So either, and I think either way that's a problem because I'd like to see him play a, a far more orthodox striking position for the simple reason that he has got the energy in the legs and he's, he's, he's decent at holding the ball up when he tries to do it and bring other players in. He might pass the ball back a little bit too far, but he looks when he gets the ball, to bring other players into play and then peel off that defender to make a space behind them. So I'd like to see him doing far, far more of that. And one of the major criticisms I've got, the way we've played, even though our goal difference is significantly better than it was last season, is that for the amount of possession we have, we're not creating enough chances. And I think the fact that we can only beat Ross County 2-1 on Saturday, I think is a, a reasonably good illustration of that. On the back of two reasonably good performances, I have to say... Uh, uh, to Pitodri against Aberdeen. So I'd like to see us do do far more than that. Sorry, I was going to say that he played really well in Tynecastle, and I thought good. He's got his mojo back, and he's going to he's going to produce. But I agree on form. He wouldn't have played half the games that he's played already this season. Certainly, that's the case for Miller. I, uh, for Pena, for me, it's like we're playing a man short. My basic requirement for a for a player playing the last third of the pitch, whether it be midfield or, you know, as a number 10 or whatever, is that when he gets the ball, he's got it under control and he's got a decent first touch. And Peña's first touch, too often for me, looks like a pass. He doesn't look like he's got that uh, composure to be comfortable in the ball to bring other players in. And that's a basic requirement of playing in midfield. And you look at all the other players we are, you look at Jack, you look at Dorans, you look at Holt, they can all do that. And, you know, I think... But they can't... But Stephen, but they can't drift into the box and score the goals he does. That's a, that's just a fact. It's been proven. No, none of those three. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. He has got that X factor and far more dangerous in the box than any of those three. I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Well, so that's a real paradox for the manager about how to how to resolve that because exactly. But that, can that, we afford middle, to write off a guy who can do that when we don't have others who can? Yeah, middle middle to front's a problem uh, for us. And if we've got Windass and Penny and that, then Candace, that's our creative element. Uh, and there are flaws with all three of them. I think Candace, as you know, um, you know, I like him a lot. I think his crossings improved significantly. I think the ball, as you said, for the, for the goal on Saturday, excellent. I like him a lot, but we don't have the, that incisive cutting edge that other decent teams have, and I think that's a major weakness in this team. And Miller doesn't bring any of that, incidentally. You know, if he's going to drop in there, then he should be looking to be that creative edge and isn't. So I think that's another reason why you ought to play far more as a, a you know as an orthodox nine or ten, but you know that's just a personal opinion. No, I, 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 I can understand. Listen, it's the old uh, oh, if only you could have a guy with Pena's ability to get in the end of things with Miller's work rate. 
Uh, then, but then they wouldn't be at Ibrox. They wouldn't be in Scotland, would they? Um, no. Unfortunately, no. and that—that's the problem. We've got composite bits of a good attack, and it's about mm-hmm. trying to place them together to to to, to maximise the danger. And unfortunately, but you're right. I mean, there are times of pain. You're like, oh, for Christ's sake, you know, you, why didn't you trap the ball? But then, as I say, that is that ability to ghost in to arrive when people aren't expecting them to get into the spaces. And, I mean, we are a side that's very good at getting to the edge of the box, firing a cross in that, that gets knocked away. I mean, we do that yep. an awful lot. And he, I think, is someone who can help turn a percentage, not not all, but a percentage of those into goals. But you are going to have to accept, you're right, that he is also a guy that link-up play isn't good, isn't, isn't particularly... Um, a guy that, that stamps his authority on a match but I, I just keep coming back to the fact we invested two million in him and we're not going to get that back if we write him off as a dud so there's no, that aspect no. of it we don't have anyone who can do what he does um, whereas we do have willing runners that aren't scoring goals and, and I just think you then need to go and, and, and to be fair to Graham Murray he has done that and he worked it out with the Aberdeen matches and I think it'll be similar when we go to play Hibs on Wednesday which we'll, um, which we'll come to towards the end now um, before we move on actually just, just speaking of Hibs now Stephen you're a very politically active gentleman and those uh, who've listened to you on the show before might, might, might have known that now you're also very left wing I mean I consider myself quite left wing but uh, you know you're fucking poof you know, you're you're way <laughs> out the fringe compared to me. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so, I'm slightly left of centre. Yes. That's, yeah, yeah. That's you're a man of the left. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, right? Man, yeah. man of the left. Fidel Castro tattoo. That's not a joke. He does have a Fidel Castro tattoo. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> I've actually got a Che Guevara tattoo, but never mind. Oh, it's a fucking same thing. Do you know what I mean? Some fucking loony foreign guy, you know. It's a shite, you know what I mean? So, um, basically, so long as... <laughs> imagine if Mark could take that uh, take that approach. Uh, you know, God knows what he'd have ended up with. But... You, he ended up with my initials on his forearm somewhere anyway, that's for sure. Very probably, yeah. But you, uh, as I say, are no, no great fan of anything particularly right-wing and certainly not a fan of the incumbent US president. But yeah. would it occur to you to make up a banner and take it to the Hibs Rangers match on Wednesday as it appeared to uh, appeal to a number of Celtic supporters to do the same for their match at the weekend? <laughs> I don't think it would have appealed uh, or, or crossed my mind to, to do that football match anyway but we are talking about people who are posturing like what I'd call posturing student leftists, you're effectively talking about people who've read a few Marx's textbooks, quite like the general ideas that are there and thought let's have some of that but I haven't got the maturity to kind of root that in the real world so regardless of what your views on Trump or Palestine are, my, my question would be how is it possible for for a set of fans to make an overtly political display like that and for the police and for the football authorities not to take action against it? Because that is a club that has been fined, what is it, 14, 14 times by UEFA in the last, I think it's the last six or seven years. And two-thirds of those fines have been for, inadverted commas, political gestures. Yeah. So if, if it's illegal at European level and European football is governed by UEFA, then I'm wondering why the SFA thinks that it's acceptable 
for example, you know, to, for those overtly political displays to be there. It just kind of goes to the idea, David, leaving leaving the, the, the side I said, uh, uh, my views in Israel-Palestine uh, and my views in Donald Trump, which I think people can guess at both of them, it's about how is that support untouchable? How are they allowed to do that repeatedly, you know, to invade, uh, to, to, to go onto plane surfaces, to throw lighters at players, to throw mobile phones at players, those kind of display, you know, the displays of the two hanging effigies that we had when they played earlier on, you know, one a Rangers fan and, and another one, you know, somebody wearing a sash and a bowler hat, that kind of behaviour. How is that just allowed to go on week after week, facilitated by Celtic Football Club, and nobody, literally nobody in the mainstream Scottish media that I can see raises any questions about it? I think it, to me, it illustrated the in Scotland in 2017 that there is a sort of accepted doctrine of how you should think and how it's okay to think and mm. your behaviour is is based on whether or not you fit into that so for example you can go and, and listen I think people can guess my views on Donald Trump right I mean I think the guy's an absolute no I won't you know, go in it because it's really sort of no relevance to people but um if you were to go, if, if you or I were to put up a banner that said "fuck Sturgeon," we would mm-hmm. we would get told to take the banner down at the minimum. Huckled away in a van, more likely, but yeah. yeah. But but at best, we'd have the banner removed. That is a fact. That's just a fact. Yeah. If we were to to put the head of a major religion on that banner and put "fuck." Then we would certainly not. We would we would face jail time. Um, that's a fact, right? So it appears to me to be well. We all think Trump's an idiot, so that's all right. Well, it's like, well, that's not all right. You either can do this or you can't, and you either believe in freedom of speech or you don't. Whereas in Scotland, I think it's pretty clear that there's a belief in freedom of speech if you think the right way and you hate the right people, and if you don't then there's not that same courtesy extended. And then you get into a situation where you have a two-tier level of freedom of speech. And I think that that is what we have. Now, I would agree, incidentally, that a football match is not the place to have fuck the head of a major religion on a banner. And I would agree it's not a place to have fuck Sturgeon on a banner. But also it's probably not a place to have fuck Trump. And the fact that... It's a rather pointless attention-seeking protest from a group who are absolutely uh, high on their own um, self-importance and I think increasingly prove week on week that they're not so much football fans as a a politics group who use a football club um, as a place to get attention, uh, as a sort of forum, if you like, to get eyes on them. And... Like I said, I just I found it very interesting, and to me, it just goes back to we've spoken a lot about what Stuart Waiten, uh, Doctor Stuart Waiten from uh, Dundee University, um, says, which uh, is that in Scotland we have uh, a sneering middle class who look down on working class people unless they think the way they're we're supposed to, unless we think the right way, and you see that at all levels, and this is another example of that. Yeah, I mean. Not so much the Invincibles as the Untouchables, David, and I mean that in the respect that, that, that it's a group of supporters that appear to behave whichever way they want with absolute impunity. Um, and it's pretty... I, I, you're right, it's groupthink. It, as I sit kind of looking at Scotland as a Scot, you know, observing it from kind of, you know, the heartland of Middle England, 
Well, it's really interesting. Now, we had this uh, a saying a few years ago, one Scotland, many cultures. Well, many cultures apart from one, because it strikes me, and I'm by no means a royalist, but if you are a royalist or a unionist, or you support the union of uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, uh, then that's not a view that's acceptable in mainstream opinion, regardless of the fact that that unionism was endorsed clearly by a very substantial majority when there was a referendum held about Scottish nationalism. And that, that's kind of opened, that, that's what's opened the bottle for this, you know. Those people who are looking to break the United Kingdom up, uh, who have Irish Republican leanings, are, are clearly on the nationalist bandwagon for that reason. It's, it's, it's really obvious. And again, it's not discussed, and I don't hear it articulated or explained that people were probably on a political kick here that we're going to get abuse for, for discussing politics on the pod. But I'm trying to kind of confine it to where it leaves and why we, why Rangers fans are treated as second-class citizens in their own country. You know, we're the baddies, we're the pantomime villain. That's that, that's still the case, has been the case for at least the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, uh, um, my favourite one, though, is one, uh, the wonderful um, at uh, Kerrydale Fail um, account on Twitter, uh, which yeah. I, I, I always urge people to go and check out where they go to, to the kind of Celtic message boards and uh, lift the best quotes. And my favourite one was looking forward to seeing the White House's response and uh, to, the, to this. Um, uh, it, it, it brought it into the mainstream. And you're like, yeah, you're right, because no one, no one in the mainstream had discussed this whole, um, you know, Israel-Palestine thing. Um, that that was that was the first I'd, I'd heard that was actually an issue. Um, I hadn't. Yeah. And, and was, thanks, was, thanks, lads. Thanks, boys. Thanks. You know, because uh, it's good to know that this is now being discussed at a high level, and and it is that sort of childish, as you say, childish uh, attempts to play at politics, and it's embarrassing, and it's there's no place for it in Scottish football except when it's embarrassing people, David. If, if we were talking about people who are capable of embarrassment, but these are people who are capable of holding contradictory view. So, for example, calling somebody a Hun isn't sectarian and supporting an organisation that killed Protestants isn't sectarian, that's political. But mm. then, you're a bigot because you sing songs about the Pope. You know, I mean, that that's the kind of people we're dealing with. They're not capable of thinking in a logical, sensible, upright manner. Or also, you don't sing songs about the Pope, but your support used to. So therefore, mm. the fact that you support that team, you're automatically a bigot, and you're like, no, hang on yeah, a minute, you're, you're, you're yeah. reaching yeah. there, you're reaching there, because you don't hear songs about the Pope at Ibrox. I was at Ibrox on Saturday, the Pope was not referred to once, right? Um, no. Thankfully, it's something... I like, but can I just say this? I like the current incumbent, I like Francis. He's a man after my own heart. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, Just about a couple there. We'll, uh, we'll move on. Uh, Rangers have appointed a new director, Barry Scott, not the Sillip Bang guy, disappointingly, but uh, Barry Scott, name you might remember, is he was one of the people in January 2016 who contributed to the six and a half million, which was uh, instrumental in the removal of Mike Ashley. So you may remember him from there, and he's now formally joined yep. the board. Um, Stephen, he's Hong Kong based businessman, Rangers fan lifelong, clearly has worked with the board in the past and clearly um, has put money in before so um, good news is it, it, it something we need maybe I, I, I think after the, the last couple of weeks the board has had and we're just about to discuss the managerial um, situation but uh, fresh blood probably an opportune yeah. time maybe yeah I, I don't think it can be a bad thing because I think the last five to six weeks has been the, not to put too fine a point on it and apologise for swearing it's a clusterfuck we have had a display of 
unbelievable in competence actually David it's been really disappointing for, for me and I know a number of most Rangers fans I think are behind the board and are extremely grateful for having saved the football club for having gotten rid of Green and Ashley and, and you know cleared the cleared the board out of them but effectively I think what's happened over the last month and a half in terms of their manager and particularly I have to say in terms of the communications around that and what has and hasn't been said and Jim Trainer's role and all of this, I think that's been an absolute shambles and an avoidable one as well. That's that's I think my main irritation. And if I sound a bit ranty, I apologise, but I think if you do anything in life and you're good at it and somebody's better than you, you just put your hands up and say, fair enough. If you're in a competition with somebody else and they're better than you, you go, fine. What you need to do is make sure that you don't you don't make mistakes that are avoidable and you put the pressure on your opponent. And all we have done in the last month and a half is make avoidable mistakes. What what hasn't hasn't been said, conducting business in secrecy rather than being open about what, what we're actually doing has just left nature abhors a vacuum. So the media in an unhelpful way has attempted to fill that. Rangers fans have been left scrambling about going, what's happening at the football club? It's been an absolute shambles. The story has broken um, this week, uh, which all Rangers fans knew about last week, and uh, we're discussing at the match on Saturday. But the story is broken that Derek McInnes, uh, Rangers and Aberdeen had agreed um, yep. on, on a compensation deal. They'd agreed how it was all going to be handled. Derek McInnes had been approached, had had agreed to take the job. There weren't uh, there are rumours going about, and it's you know two and two equal five job of oh it was his assistant, his assistant didn't want to come. It wasn't that he was going to come. Everything was set up, um, and in fact, it got to a stage where Derek McInnes was discussing with Graham Murray who would replace Ryan Jack on Saturday. This was on the Wednesday, and yeah. uh, Rangers believed that Derek McInnes was going to be their manager right up to the minute that he wasn't, and that was because they found out from a journalist phoning saying there is a statement on Aberdeen's website with quotes from Derek McInnes saying he's staying at Aberdeen, and that was why Rangers issued that disastrous statement and yeah. I think that's the point that that needs mentioned that you know you can it's not a case of somebody's in the wrong so the other party must be in the right you know they can all have acted badly in Derek McInnes's case he had told Rangers that he was taking the job this was a fact this is this is what happened and then he changed his mind at the 11th hour which is exactly what happened with Sunderland now Derek McInnes may have his reasons for both and one of the things that, that is being mentioned is Rangers you know, might be a bit of a, as you say, a clown car of a club at the moment and Sunderland certainly from the outside appear to be a clown car of a club but why then do you accept the job after talks if that's the case? If you think, no, actually this is, then you don't take the job. You say, thanks, I've listened but having looked under the bonnet, I'm not interested. You don't take it and then go, actually no, um, I'm not going to do it. And for that to happen twice, that's a pattern, right? That's you know, mm-hmm. there are there are questions about Derek McInnes's temperament. There are questions about Derek McInnes's belief in himself, um, and there are questions about what he expects. A man with Derek McInnes's record does not get the Rangers job if everything's going swimmingly, no. right? That's a fact. He's and yep. for, for me, what you do is you back yourself to be good enough to succeed enough to have the capital to get the changes that you want. That's what you do. That You go into a club and you think, I will win the fans over to a degree that I can then get what I want and start to run that. And you have a long-term plan. But Derek McInnes didn't feel up to that, and that's fine. We didn't need to issue a classless statement about it. 
Um, there was no need for that. As let down as I'm sure they felt. Now, the problem for the Rangers board is that they feel a bit sorry for themselves here because they're like, well, you know, he'd said he was coming and then he didn't. And then and they're right, right? He let them down. That's fine. Okay. That's fine if that happened the Thursday, Friday after Pedro went. But you took six weeks and you took six weeks to pick Derek McInnes. So that's why you're getting shit. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why you deserve to. And the fact is, is that Rangers are going to, if Graham Murray's in charge um, on the last day of the year, Rangers will have spent over three months in this calendar year without a permanent manager during the playing time of this calendar year. And that's why yeah. the fans are going, that's a clusterfuck. And it is. And you yeah. can't deny that. And unfortunately, while the, they may legitimately have a point about the way McInnes conducted himself, there's still we still have a legitimate point about the way they conducted themselves and continue to. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was sat down considering what had happened and I thought, what are they, what are they facts, that, you know, the, the commonly held established events that we know about? So uh, the facts, last, uh, last week, Rangers asked for permission to speak to McInnes. Might have been because of the double header to get it out of the way, two games against Aberdeen, but that permission was refused by his employer, so there are three things that can then happen. McInnes has to resign, he stays at Aberdeen, or there's some illegal action, i.e. we tap him up or we have a backdoor conversation in which you know which may breach league and SFA rules. And we've ended up in option two where he's staying and the reasons for that will come out, I guess, in the wash some point. Rangers had um, permission to talk yeah. to him. That's one thing. Rangers did have yeah. permission to talk to him. Yeah. So um the possible scenario is right that, that McInnes didn't fancy it or was afraid. I'd be very, very surprised if that's the case. He's a lifelong blue nose, his family's in, in Renfrew. I'd be stunned. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd be getting a bigger budget, even if even if it wasn't going to be the budget that he might have had in mind. It would have been more money he would have gotten at Aberdeen. He'd have had a bigger transfer kit, and he would have got more. Uh, his salary would have been would have been greater. But one, it's, it's the greatest job in Scottish football. Why wouldn't he want it? But I think the worrying the, the worrying aspect to this, David, is the possibility. And of course, again, we're never going to know this. Is if he's looked under the bonnet, I looked at the way the club is being run, the finances and what have you, and not and thought, no, this is this is going to be a disaster. Well, that's going to be the same for any manager coming in. So but, that's going but to be, Stephen, he's so not. So that's, looked, a, that's a challenge for us. But Stephen, Stephen, he's not looked under the bonnet and said no. He's looked under the bonnet and said yes, and then said no, and that's exactly no. what he did at Sunderland as well. So I do believe that for whatever reason, Derek McInnes felt he's not up to the job but he couldn't do the job or whatever and I do believe there is an element with a guy that he is comfortable at Aberdeen he knows now he is virtually unsackable he would need to go some for Stuart Milne to sack him and he knows that and I'm not sure what he wants you know if he thinks he's going to be you know hanging on for a premiership job with a club where everything's fantastic and rosy that doesn't happen and anybody that goes to premiership now is you know four games off the sack I think you know short of Pep Guardiola, everybody's kind of looking over their shoulder a bit. So, my, I mean, I just don't understand why Chris Coleman, who was quite sought after, no matter what you think of Chris Coleman, he was quite sought after. Why does he look under that bonnet at Sunderland, not take the job? Yeah, well, he did. He did take it, didn't he? So exactly. I, I, I mean, I, I can't. I, I don't buy into the idea, David, that, that as a jumping-off point for a job in the English Premiership or, the, or a decent job in the Championship. And bear in mind, McInnes has managed. In Bristol already. Badly. Uh, Pitaudry, uh, Pitaudry, uh, he is, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pitaudry's a better place than Ibrox to do that. 
I don't believe that. I think I think the reverse is the, the reverse is the case. I'd be very very surprised. I mean, I, we're not going to know until the, until the guy tells us himself because there's a whole lot of people filling in the blanks here, and we've heard very very little from McInnes himself about why he didn't take a job. Uh, and it'll be it, it could be dynamite. It could be well. He a says huge, he, the only like thing a, that he said no could be just a very very personal. The only thing, thing that he said is that he he feels that it would uh, it would have damaged his legendary status at Aberdeen. And I must ah. admit, I don't know if that's shared by the Aberdeen fans that believe. And mm-hmm. secondly, that Rangers didn't make him feel wanted enough because he took six weeks. Now, the six weeks thing is legitimate. Right, it's like, no, wait a minute here, you you had six weeks to come and get me, you didn't get me, you could have got me in March, you didn't get me, you got this this Pedro Cushina fella. No, but why do you do that after you've said yes? Surely that's a thing that you know going into the talks. That's not something that happens halfway through. You knew that already, they've taken six weeks to get to you. So why do you not say, no, you took six weeks to get to me, or no, you don't want me enough? When they say, do you want the job after you've been through the talks, you've looked under the bonnet as we keep saying, you've seen the books, you know the plans and after all that if at that point he says no, then fair enough right? that's the board's fault and we can all go it's chaos on the board and blah blah the fact that he's said yes and then the next day has well I was going to say has said no he didn't say no, he just went back to Aberdeen and said I'm staying, he didn't and that's how it came out it doesn't mean, incidentally, the fact that Derek McInnes, for whatever reason, now appears to, uh, to to lift his skirt to passers-by and then get upset when they come out with their cock in their hand. The fact <laughs> is that this is twice that it's happened, so there is you know, evidence to suggest that here is a guy who's comfortable in his world, who likes being a big fish in a small pond, and on some level, doubts his ability to get recreate the same thing at a bigger club, which both Sunderland and Rangers are. Now, mm. that doesn't mean, all of that being true, and I believe that that is the case here, all of that being true doesn't mean the Rangers board haven't fucked this up, haven't, you know, or, or are not run in a dysfunctional fashion, because they clearly are. Right? The, the fact that the, the chief executive or the managing director, I believe, is his title, has to run every major decision past uh, uh, the chairman who lives you know, thousands of miles away and it, it takes extra time and additional time. The, the club does not run, I think, as smoothly as it should. But well, I do believe that there are faults on both sides in this instance. And yeah. for me, like I say, you're offered the Rangers job, you're Derek McInnes, you've got Derek McInnes' track record, right? The Rangers job comes up, the club aren't being run by the Spivs. Spivs, I get it, right? They're maybe being run by people yep. whose competence isn't great and they're going to cause you a headache from time to time. You know that. They're going to get right in your tits. However, you take the job and you make sure that you deliver on your end enough that you get the cachet from the supporters to be able to say, I'm not happy about X, I'm not happy about Y, and you need to fix it because I'm not happy about it. That's how you go about it. I think yeah. he bottled it. I really do. I genuinely believe that he bottled it. And I know that I know that the feeling from inside Ibrox is, is that he bottled it by sensible people. People who tell mm-hmm. you, yeah, you know, can can do this or can do that and, and it would improve things, but he doesn't. You know, these are guys who, who aren't blinkered and they think he bottled it. And I know that Sunderland in particular feel that he bottled it and feel that he let them down and led them down the garden path. Because, um, you know, we spoke to journalists down there about, because obviously with the Bain thing and then this McInnes thing, you know, they've been in contact. And 
I don't know, I think he's developing a reputation as a cereal bottler because it's not like when people have approached him, he said, no, I am happy at Aberdeen. This is twice now where he's gone into significantly lengthy talks and told the clubs on each occasion, yes, I am coming. So... Uh, yep. I don't know. I like I say I think there are that I think you can still be of the opinion that, you know, he ran home to change his tampon and get a cuddle off Stuart Milne and still believe that Rangers are not run as professional as we should be. I think that those are not thoughts. Um if you like, I think that those are concomitant thoughts. Yeah. Well, if that is the case, David, then it, it, it might be. But if it is the case, then that, that he is already at the zenith of his managerial career because he's achieved as much as he's ever going to achieve at Aberdeen. He's, he's had the last five seasons with Rangers effectively fighting with with both arms tied behind their back and now one arm tied behind their back. And Hibs and Dundee United only, and Hearts. Only going to improve. Everybody was right. hamstrung in that yeah. period. Hibs, Dundee United, Hearts, Rangers yeah. were all out of the picture for that period. Let's yeah. be honest. I don't I don't think that he's at the zenith of his career. I think he's peaked and I think that Aye. history will record oh, no, that's, that. that. Absolutely. Like, that he, that's as high as it's going to get and, and there's an argument that says Aberdeen are now the fourth best team in Scotland because Hibs look to be on the basis of how they've they've performed this season, they're getting sixteen, seventeen thousand crowds at Easter Road now. They are going to be the third club in Scotland now, and that'll put Aberdeen in fourth. So he's and the other thing is he's never going to manage at Rangers or anywhere else significant again if that's the case. Um, and I'd be I'd be I'm really disappointed. I think from a personal point of view, because I mean he wasn't the manager I wanted, but I'm thinking that what's his career path going to be now, because. He's a blue. He is a blue. We know. There's no doubt about it. Blue nose, born and bred. Played for the club for what was it? I think it was about five seasons. I think it was at Ibrox. Yeah. It you know did really well for us, um, and that should be his dream job, and it should be any Rangers fans' dream job. Whether you're a play, if you're a player to play, or if you're a manager to manage there, absolutely. Uh, and and we know that it wasn't about his uh, deputy because bluntly, David, it's the same position as let's say. Uh, player like Scott Brown or Kenny Dalglish or uh, David Proven or Alan McAnally or a big host of so-called Rangers men who ended up playing for Celtic. If he was willing to come to Rangers, then he's not much of a Tim, is he? You know, he's not a die-hard die Celtic man, uh, our boy Doherty, that much if he's, if he's prepared to come and work at Rangers. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's very much in that. And the other the other one I have heard is, is, that is because the fans didn't fancy him. Well, let's be honest here. Fan opinion is the least important part of an equation in modern football. You know, there's sponsorship, there's television rights, there's there's keeping the players happy, keeping management happy, all the rest of it. Fans are always at the bottom of the list. That's part of the problem with modern football. So our view, you know, our view uh, wouldn't have counted, and it wasn't as if there was a huge kind of thirty, you know, the, thousands and thousands of people desperate not to have them. They were, they, it was kind of lukewarm, but that, that's a reflection about the fact that the club still hasn't got on an even keel, and we haven't put ourselves in a position where we can start to challenge for the title again. That's that's the key to it. You back yourself. That's, for me, that's what Absolutely. I want to imagine. You back yourself. They don't fancy me, I'll fucking show them, right? They took right. six weeks to get, I'll fucking show them. That's the type of manager I want. And the other thing about it is, is as you said there, you know he's he's done well, but at a time when traditional powers in Scotland were not what yep. they should be, and in fact still aren't, and are all at various stages of what you would consider their recovery. Um, Rangers, yep. Hibs, Hearts, Dundee United, right, are all 
for various reasons during this period have not been what they should be. Now, for Derek McInnes to think that well, the fans don't fancy me and the, the chairman or the club didn't fancy me enough, I don't see his record. One League Cup and second place finishes to during yep. that period. Um, I don't see his record as being impressive enough for him to get upset about people not fancying him. And to me, it shows you a level of delusion, which is obviously because, you know, football, we've talked about the Aukenhawi bubble on here before. Footballers and football managers can be cosseted. They can live in the, the wee bubble that they create from themselves. And that's great. You know, that's fine. But I believe that up there in Aberdeen with a compliant press, it's a one club city. Um, he's got a compliant press. He's got a chairman who obviously likes him both, you know, as a manager and individually. I think he's got an unrealistic idea of how good he is. I think he's got an unrealistic idea of how good his achievements are and the fact that he does, as, as mentioned, consider himself a legend at Aberdeen, which, you know, I'm sure Aberdeen fans will, will tell us one way or another, but I, I'm damn sure they don't consider him one. And I don't get how he can have the record he has and expect to be treated at the level he clearly expects to be treated. That's my take on it. And for me, <laughs> the Rangers board handled this abysmally. They continue to handle it badly. But Derek McInnes is a bottle merchant, and I think that that's been proven. And I think in the next few years he'll regret his decision. I think that Aberdeen will regret his decision because I think that they were quite excited about getting the money they were going to get, and they'd already lined up their next manager, which was going to be the guy from St Mirren, Jack Ross. So mm. I just feel that in the end he's... He's had a challenge put in front of him and he's felt he didn't want to do it. And that's that's cool, that's his right, that's entirely up to him and he's decided to do that. But time will tell. Let's move on then, Stephen. We have a big game on Wednesday night against Hibs. Hibs coming off the back of a very credible two-each draw against Celtic. Another one. Hibs have had, their, a bit like us, have had their fair share of stupid results this season and have shown also on certain days that they're more than capable of it. Beat us 3-2 early in the season with the assistance of John Beaton. But Hibs are a good side. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They've got good players. Yes, they've, Neil Lennon is their manager, but I don't have a problem particularly with Hibs because Hibs try to beat everybody equally. They're not going to lie down when they play Celtic. They've shown that. And we're going to go there and get a torrid time. The fans are going to give us abuse, but that's that's fine. That's it. So long as they don't attack our players, you know, that's all I'm asking for, for, for them. Now, strangely, I think we play better away from home than we do at home and I think we also play better against sides who give us a bit of room now they're going to try and batter us in the opening 20 I think it's yep. key if we survive that opening 20 and then can start to play I, I would revert back to the diamond if McCrory's fit I would revert back to the diamond I would put Barjonas into midfield and I've got no worries about him going in um, in place of, of Ryan Jack and I would stick yep. to the diamond. I would I would retain Pena. I would put Miller on the bench, and I would put um, Morelos up front with Windass. Now I don't think that'll happen, uh, but that's what I'd be going for. And I I do believe, although it's going to be very difficult, and they will be bang up for it. And if we're not, we'll get swept away. We won't even just lose them. We'll get beaten. I think quite badly. It could be quite embarrassing if we're not up for it because they will be. But I do fanciest to maybe go there and wouldn't surprise me if we were to win uh, to, to, to win that match 2-1 yeah, I think like and I'm sick of saying it and the sound of my own voice saying it but that the first goal in this game is absolutely essential because if we get it then I'd fancy us to go on and win that game and if they do then we could find ourselves in difficulty because they are a decent outfit 
you know, McGeer, Stokes, McGinn, they're decent players. Uh, they're not world beaters, but they're, they're more than capable of and competent enough to play against this current Rangers team. So I guess, David, my, my starting expectation is that we'll be more or less the same team that we played on Saturday. we more or less the same formation. Uh, I can't see him making any major changes uh, to that. Um, if everybody plays to form, then we're more than capable of beating them. If we can go to Petaudry and get a result comfortably, you know, playing with 10 men for 25, 30 minutes, then, you know, I'd fancy to go to Easter Road. Petaudry's a far harder place, in my view, to go and get a result than Easter Road is. Uh, there's also a, a little bit of edge in terms of this might be the first visit we've come since there. Our fans behaved disgracefully. Uh, mob handed and got away with kind of mass. And there we go, talking about differential treatment again of fans, you know, invading a pitch, which is completely every single person on there completing an illegal act and how many of them uh, got arrested for it. So there's going to be a bit of an edge to it. Uh, very important that it's, it's refereed properly, competently. Uh, John Beaton's. Yeah, yeah, no, John Beaton's. Handling it, I think one of the worst examples I think I've ever seen of any referee and how Anthony Stokes was on that pitch at the end, you know, before he walked off under his own volition. I'm absolutely stunned to think that uh, how that happened. But if we get a fair shake, then we can, and we're comfortably able to get a result there if we play anything like the thing. I didn't know if I'd fancy us in a game where we had to battle up until the Aberdeen matches because I don't think yeah. that we had shown any great capability to do so and it would have worried me I would have fancied before those two matches I would have thought Hibs will just be much more up for it they'll, they'll come out they'll yeah. play much more aggressively they'll have the crowd whipping them into a frenzy and our boys will, will not be able to handle that they'll totally mechanise it and they'll just shit themselves and yeah. I don't think that now because I've seen that Rangers fans uh, Rangers players, sorry, I know Rangers fans uh, can do it, but I think that Rangers players have shown actually they do have that in their locker. The question is whether they can produce it again or whether they will produce it again. But I now believe that they can do in the you know in in those circumstances. They need to remember that against Hibs when they had eleven men on the part, they were looking very good for long spells of that. But Hibs are a good side; they will have times when they're battering down and looking like scoring and we need to stand firm up to that but if we can do that and if we can again it comes down to things like second ball win your individual battle we need to improve dramatically across the back line if our back line plays the way it did on Saturday we will lose and we will lose heavily and that's yep. not up for debate because a guy like Stokes will take advantage in a way that Ross County's players just couldn't and incidentally by the way Ross County have to be the um, shall we say pie friendliest team that I've seen in the SPFL <laughs> big bunch of lads great bunch of uh, lads I'm sure but a big bunch of lads <laughs> not a flattering uh, not flattering and white white no. and tight is it no. you know the way the way they were looking at listen if, if, if Rangers players can't get up for this game then they should chuck it bluntly and we, what we need uh, if we're going to win there's, a, there's two or three things we need Al, we need Alves and Wilson who I'm, I'm guessing will be a Ten halves to boss it, and big and, and Bruno Alves is more than capable of doing it. This is the sort of game where I'd expect him to pitch in as a leader and on on the pitch and to lead by example. I think that's what I'm looking for. You know, he's a very good player, and he needs he needs to show it. We need uh, Tavernier and John. I think that was as I said before, at least effective. I've seen them, so I think we need them. I have to pull to you up because a guy said he was going to stab me if I didn't. Um, he said. Your pronunciation of Tavernier drives him nuts. 
It's Tavernier. It's Tavernier. Tavernier, it's a French word. No, you're right, and I agree. Uh, that's how it should be pronounced, but he pronounces it Tavernier, James Tavernier. He, that's how he pronounces it. So. Oh, okay. All right then. Well, know. we could be we can be dragged we could be dragged down to that level if if everybody's happy with that. Lowest common denominator, I guess, what's for the kind of people that that complain about pronunciation, but never mind. Well, they, they complain about pronunciation when it's wrong, which you are. I mean, I could pronounce your name as Stephen, and I don't. Right, even mm-hmm. even though you, your name is spelled, let's be honest, in a way that could only be described as, you know, a bit Timish. <laughs> I'm proud to have it there, mate. I'm absolutely proud to wear it. And, I, I, um, I'd have you know. changed it, I must admit. Uh, I, I'd have gone, gone with a V I, I, if I were you. But hey, hey, I, I don't want to judge. Go, but, but, you know, what I'm going for when I get my name changed by deed pale is O. Smith. You know, so just just to, so there's no doubt about it anyway. Yes. But, you know, we do see Deep undercover. Aye, well, well, okay, but, but if my crew replaced the form, then, then that takes care of itself. How big a mess would he be, Stephen? Huge. Huge. Yeah, he would, wouldn't he? Um, I think, particularly with Jack missing, I, th- I think, you know, because the only other person to play that, that role, if you're going to have, well, you, you, you either you bring Bates in and you play Wilson or Alves there, you know, or you bring Cardoso back, or, but, you know, you, you, you work out from that combination. I don't think the manager's got the courage to put, uh, to put Barjonis there. So, you know, and that'll probably wind your, your listener up by me, you know, pronouncing his name that way. Yeah. But, you know, but we've, so we have some we have some positional challenges there. No, we, we do. I think the... if we play form, and it's particularly important that we get the two full-backs playing really well, you know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They can't. They, 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 it was a weird day on Saturday, and that they we know they've got defensive frailties, but they didn't contribute in the attacking sense in the way that we're used to, and that I found very, very disappointing. Um, but but they've got a chance to rectify it. If we get this win, then we are on a roll. Um, however, you know, like I say, um, it's not going to be easy. And if we get a win, any win, any type of performance, any type of result, it'll be a good one, and it won't be. Um, we won't underplay it on here that's for sure and I don't think the Rangers support would so um, that's pretty much it from us this week Um, all that I would like to do then is to tell you with Christmas approaching it's two weeks today as we record um, what a great present it would be if you sent your loved one Rangers fan to NASA next year where they can see me doing a live pod Um, the North American Rangers Supporters Association they have their annual meeting every year at the different places next year it's in Calgary, Alberta, Canada I'm there as a convention partner and it's a wonderful experience for Rangers supporters. They'll meet ex-players, they'll meet officials. There's loads and loads of stuff about Rangers, symposiums and whatnot and a live pod. So uh, why not consider that and go and have a look on their website. Just type NARSA into your Google machine and it'll pop up. Um, I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers and to thank my guest today, Mr Stephen Smith. Thanks David, it's a pleasure as always uh, and enjoy the run up to the festive season. And um, let's hope we can put ourselves in a position that when we go to the Glitter Arena, that we are, um, you know, we can potentially put this league race on a different footing. Fingers, thumbs, and like a Celtic supporter, eyes crossed. Um, the only thing to tell you is if you like this show, and I sincerely hope you do, and if you're listening to it, you can get us every day if you go to patreon.com. Patreon.com is a place where we have our subscription service, and there are tons and tons of new shows on there. There's a daily update where you get all the news and latest rumours uh, to do with Ibrox, but more importantly, there are brand new shows um, which are uh, going down really well. I've got to say, the feedback has been fantastic, and over 1,400 people have already signed up. It's very cheap. It's either a one 
$1.99 or $3.99 per month and for that you'll get an additional well I'd said a 20 to 25 hours of content per month uh, you're going to get even more than that um, we started off last week with two cracking shows one uh, our new debate show head to head debate show on whether or not Kenny Miller is a Rangers legend Stephen your tuppence worth I don't think he's remotely in the same class as being a Rangers legend for a whole variety of reasons. Rangers legends are, you know, Jimmy Baxter, John Gregg, Richard Goff, players like that, not Kenny Miller. Well, there'll be an official vote next week, and uh, or Wednesday of this week, and uh, the voting is hot at the moment. I'd say leaning towards him not being a legend. Um, but the boys did well in the debate. And also our show, The Advocate Years, where we break down chronologically and in great detail. Uh, we don't you know, do a whole season in an hour kind of thing. We're breaking it down almost month by month. And uh, the, 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 first, the first episode of that got rave reviews, and we're really looking forward to the second one dropping this week. And there'll be loads of new stuff, Q&As, there's going to be phone-ins. We're going to do all sorts of things on there. And for the money we're charging, it works out, I believe somebody pointed out to me that it works out around about three pence a show. So I don't feel I'm ripping you off. I'm going to be honest there. I think it's worth it. But please go along. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash heart and hand. And join the community there because it's already jumped up. There's you know loads of bears. They're chatting away to each other. And uh, it's, it's just a great place to be. So please come along. Sign up for it. And uh, all the money goes to uh, me. Um, and I'm going and I, but but I'm going to spend it and thus boost the economy. So in many ways, it's it's going to help in the UK's financial recovery. So you, you're actually being patriotic if you sign up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And that's capitalism, mate. If we, if we can't if we can't change it, comrade, we might as well work it. <laughs> Ride the tiger. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening. My name's David Edgar, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Cheers. Bye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.